voices together. You're live on Joy 99.7 FM. Uh, this is Ghana Connect. And welcome, really. I'm pretty sure you've noticed what has been happening over the last two weeks. The agitation, and rightly so, if you ask the individual bondholders, for the exclusion from the ongoing uh, domestic direction program, which has become one of the most defining issues of 2023 already by the way the year is so very very young and it has become a, a major uh, subject uh, dividing opinions but also leaving many people many vulnerable groups severely uh, concerned but at the heart of this as you heard chairman sabonsu who is a majority leader in parliament express he believes the current direction program in its current form, if it is executed, will wipe out the middle class because there is a firm belief uh, that the significant number of those individual bondholders uh, fall in that demography. They are middle class individuals or lower middle class individuals. And you've seen the power that they've they've deployed, the force that they've put to this uh, to get the finance minister uh, to finally call a meeting and announce that he's ready to make concessions. That is the force, that is the power that the middle class wield in this country. But often the middle class has been accused of uh, not doing enough activism um, to get positive outcomes that benefit the entire society. But the, the accusation is that the middle class often only steps in when the thing directly affects them. And so tonight, let's let's have a conversation uh, with people you may define as middle class individuals themselves. Um, how can this force that was deployed over the last few weeks and, and still being deployed, by the way, exerting a lot of pressure on the system to listen uh, and to the concerns. And remember, a lot of the individuals affected, um, not all of them, um, you say are, are wealthy. They are significantly underprivileged, vulnerable individuals in that bracket of individual bondholders, like the many you've heard on this uh, network, Joy 99.7 FM, who, who can't buy medicine, uh, who say they're going to pitch camp at the at the bank until they're paid, and that, and that this is a death sentence for them. There are many, many vulnerable individuals who are going to be affected. And the powerful group of middle class is fighting on all of their behalf. And so how can we sustain this beyond the fight over the domestic debt exchange? How can we sustain this? And how can the middle class, uh, you know, consistently exert that pressure on the system to get better outcomes for all of us? That's a conversation we're having tonight uh, on Ghana Connect. And by the way, I'm, I've been, uh, I'm connecting tonight with people uh, who know how to exact that pressure. Uh, Felicity Nelson is connecting uh, with us uh, via Zoom, I believe. Hello, Felicity. Hi, good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. And you know Felicity, he's the activist and community organizer, uh, Fix the Country. Oh, my good friend, 
um, who is uh, definitely top of the tree when it comes to the middle class group uh, from the UK, comes into the Ghana in and out, and also he's on the radio in uh, in London. Look for him. Uh, he's Force, joins us uh, on Zoom right now. Hello, Force. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Evans. It's very good to speak to you again, and good evening to all your listeners. Um, happy to be on your network once again. Yeah, and first, tell us, um, for those of us, for those who may be uh, flying to London soon, uh, your radio station, what is it called again? <laughs> well, at the moment, I'm yo-yoing. Well, how about, how about we say I'm taking a sabbatical? Oh, you a have. sabbatical. I, well, just like you did some time ago, you remember? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, well, I understand that. Anyway, I'm, I'm happy that you're joining us uh, and connecting with us tonight. Thank you, uh, Force, again. Uh, Kilsing is, is a Ghanaian, uh, joins us on the telephone, on Zoom as well. Hello, Kilsing. Hello, Kilsing. Yeah, hello, Evans. Kilsing, great, great to have you uh, connect with us. Great, and 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 this is the voice I, I love to hear always on Ghana Connect uh, when she joins. Deep, Carlo Olympio, corporate lawyer, founder of Agency Seven Seven, and a business advisory firm uh, in Accra. Look for them. And Carla joins us and connects on the phone. Hello, Carla. Oh, oh Zoom rather. Hello, Carla. Hi, Evans. Good evening to you and to my fellow Ghanaians. <laughs> I like that. That sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for connecting. Listen, I, I want to start this conversation um, by speaking to one man who has been at the forefront of this campaign uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, lawyer Martin. Hello, Mr. Kwebu. Thank you for your time here on Ghana Connect. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. Great to have you. Before I get into the, in your thoughts on some of the key issues, I wanted to hear the finance minister on some of the things you've been pushing for. Fundamentally, you want an exemption for individual bondholders. But he's, he's, he's made a point to my colleague, George Jaffe, in this interview, which, by the way, we must admit was recorded um, you know, earlier before he agreed to sit with you. But he was clear, though, on the subject of exclusion. Listen to the finance minister. Um, anybody... I'm not sure that um, anybody uh, can be fully exempted. But George, note that it is voluntary. Oh, in, in one breath, we get the understanding that if you don't sign up to this uh, program... Uh, if we as a nation in totality fall below what we think is an 80% threshold for signing up, we have a problem. It's not you, George, you have fear or whatever. The cumulative effect of um, going, um, having a significant uh, proportion of this 137 billion not being intended in brings the country um, to jeopardy. Given uh, what we are hearing and thinking through um, uh, the current formulation of what we have, um, I don't think we, first of all, we as a nation cannot afford a total exemption. We as a nation cannot afford a total exemption. Martin, what do you say to the finance minister on this? Well, so Evans, to be clear, as you stated earlier, uh, these comments were made by the finance minister before our negotiations started. So it means that these comments don't reflect his final position on this matter. Right. So, and uh, let me say that, so subsequent to these um, comments, uh, as I mentioned, we sat with him and we advanced arguments to show that individual bondholders cannot shoulder any further hardship by way of inclusion in the program, right? And he bought our arguments. He bought them, right? And then what he did was that 
he asked us to come to a technical committee that's to say we should bring representatives to a technical committee and to further elaborate the cuts we're advocating for so the argument that resonated with him was our call for government to cut back on expenditure i know the whole nation is bought into it because we all seem to have built a consensus around that team that the way one of the surest way to go about this is to cut back on expenditure because that one we control expenditure yes and especially we mentioned some part of the capital expenditure and also the recurrent expenditure so having bought the argument and we are confident that we'll be able to show all the areas to cut i think that the finance minister's comment should not be taken as his final position on the matter because a lot has since happened yes to be clear the position remains unchanged exempt individual bondholders completely absolutely ever so the rhyme is exempt 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 and let my people go um so this started yesterday is there any time frame within which uh, the the committees hope to wrap up and present a a unified position yes definitely in good time before the deadline on 31st january uh, the 30th right we'll finish we'll finish in good time we made very good progress yesterday and we'll continue next week so martin so this is great progress and and, and tonight we're examining that the power that you senor uh, leading the group of individual bondholders affected had, had brought to bear which has obviously compelled the finance minister to announce publicly that he's willing to make concessions um and and that middle class force you're having a conversation tonight about how you we can collectively deploy that force in a more sustainable manner to achieve positive ends for entire society and i must indicate and as i did earlier that you are representing extremely vulnerable people as well and we heard many of them who can pay medicines uh, who can buy medicines if they don't get their bonds etc and you've managed to get this far what's your comment on the strength and the power of that middle class and how that can become a more permanent feature in a in in, in our body politic in holding okay. government accountable yeah, so Evans, the starting point is I think that uh, radio has uh, actually brought a lot of uh, what we call um, dynamics to this, uh, the way the middle class organizes and reacts to government uh, policies. You know, now with so much plurality in radio, so many radios all over, you see that there's access more increased access to radio, citizens are able to participate. And I think that has hugely helped. Just like this conversation you guys are going to have, which I'm doing the introductory part, you see that Joy FM, you provided a strong platform to the middle class to be able to air their opinions. You see news file, you see uh, uh, there's other programs, the talk shows, the other ones that you've, all of them have contributed immensely. And one thing is very clear, that we are coming together you begin to see some form of a uh, coalition we are coalition is yeah it's taking a bit of time but i think gradually you see that we are integrating we are getting to know each other we are beginning to see that look this is a, a strong middle class that we can use to hold government to account and to be able to get in, in essence what we think 
should be the right things done. But let me quickly mention that, um, you know, in the 70s, the TUC uh, organized into a political party, but it didn't survive. So perhaps uh, we should dig and see what happened. Yes, organized labor formed a political party. Maybe they were trying to copy what happened in the UK, the Labour Party in the UK, I guess, but it didn't survive. So let's look at it and see um, the other pitfalls, you see it, so that we don't repeat them in Ghana. Because you can see that we are really tired of the political class. They've taken us for a ride for far too long. You know, they just won't listen to us. It's not sitting to say the least. So we are all just getting fed up with it. And so, well, you can see that matters are coming to a head very soon. And they would really see. I can see that things are going to shape up in a different manner. Reorganize the society in a different manner. I can see that day coming. Definitely. Yes. So there's a lot of potential, but there's still a lot of work to be done to get the middle class to come together. Martin, thank you very much. And uh, Martin, obviously, uh, is the, the, com- uh, the convener for the Individual Bondholders Association of Ghana. They had formed a coalition uh, with the Individual Bondholders Forum. And you see uh, the, uh, the progress they've made so far on that matter alone. So how do you uh, achieve the multiply effect? I, I, you know, get this on a bigger scale uh, on, on other issues as well that affect everybody else, particularly the vulnerable without a voice, without the same power, without the same brain force and resources. Um, Carla, let me start with you on that conversation. Uh, so, first of all, I want to start. The, 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 the conversation we are having, I get a sense, is based on a certain assumption, which is that the, the middle class can really be a force and a potent force at that. Is that exaggerating their power or it's actually reality? Um, so, so yeah, so this is kind of, you know, when your producer called me about this, this is a question that I asked him. I said, I mean... I'm not sure from my perspective, this this is a the particular question you're asking about, you know, the mobilization against the, you know, the, the debt exchange. I'm not so sure that it's about the power of the middle class per se, but it's more about the power of collective action. And I definitely think that as Ghanaians, we are often guilty of not being willing to kind of stick our head above the parapet, right? So, I mean, if you think about it, you've had, you know, other groups who have also managed to lo- lobby successfully. You know, I think there was the public sector's workers union or, you know, so I think there's a lot of strength in collective action. And then as Mr. Pebble pointed out, now there's social media, there's media, traditional media, and there's social media as well. So there's Twitter. I've seen the petition going around on social media. So it's going around on WhatsApp, on, you know, Facebook. So I, I you know, for me, I would say it's more about collective action and people participating. And then, of course, in this case, it's money, right? You're going directly to the heart of people's pockets. So people are determined to rise up against it. Um, So, yeah, for me, it's, it's more about that, I would say, than about personally. Not to say, and okay, and then there's another important thing I think that I've left out. 
And then there's the conveners of this, which include um, Loi Pebu himself, uh, Mr. Hossi. I don't know if there are many others, but they have already managed to gain some amount of influence and social capital from their past activities. And they're leading this charge. And so I think whether it was middle class or not, if they were able to gather enough people together, it would you know, create some forward movement. So yeah, that's my perspective. Very, very interesting point. And I want to continue on that breath. And I want to bring in Felicity. Felicity, you you are part of an organizing force. And Carla says it's about collective action. However, doesn't it matter which who is leading the mobilization of the collective force and their, the resources that they can uh, master and bring together to get everybody else to come to the table? And hence, the middle class question comes in. Um, Absolutely. I think that, you know, we can't discount the fact that, you know, people like Martin, Senor, as Carla said, they have um, some level of social capital. However, you see how quickly they were able to even create a platform for for people to like for the you know, the parties or the, the independent bondholders to kind of join this platform, create the website. The fact that they were able to do this already shows you that they're in a position of privilege. Like if, if this was an issue affecting people like, you know, um, maybe more of the masses in terms of like people of a lower class, maybe a working class issue, maybe, I don't know, masons or carpenters, how quickly would they be able to do the same things? How quickly would they be able to get a website together? How many people will be able to sign on to such website? How many people will have access to the internet, can pay for internet access? You know, all of these things are barriers and they're real barriers. So once you have a middle-class issue being led by, you know, um, kind of leading um, thinkers within the middle class space when it comes to like civil the civil society space, then of course, it, and the reality is there's a level of proximity to power. These people have sat on boards, they, these people have been, um, some of them run think tanks, which have consulted for the for, um, for, um, for government before on different, they've been on committees with these people. So there's some level of proximity. So when they speak, they're more likely to listen as opposed to like the average Joe <clears throat> kind of gets up and says, okay, I want to do this thing. Nobody knows them. The, the fact that the, the, you know, the government will quickly even want to organize a meeting. How many people have not, you know, gotten together and said, oh, yeah, there's this, there's that issue. There's this issue where, you know, we want to go out on the protest. We want to, we're angry about this. How many times do we see the government reach out so quickly, so urgently to engage with these people? We don't see that, so that we can't deny the the how their their privilege is working in their favor. It's not it's not a bad privilege on in its own. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's what you use it for, right? And I just want to also say that I'm I'm proud that you know finally the middle class in Ghana. Some of these people have been have continued to be vocal. Some less than others. I, I'm even talking about the people even leading this particular issue. And the reality is that sometimes I think that the middle class is a bit delusional about their proximity in terms of like how rich they are. And the reality is that in Ghana, most middle class people are probably like one illness away from poverty. You know, one um, a ridiculous school fees increase away from having to take pull out all their kids from that particular school. So we, they seem to be, because they're friends with these people and they converse with these people, they think and with the upper class and the people in political positions they think that they are those people and they forget their positions so when a lot of things are happening they're extremely quiet because they think oh well this doesn't affect me and finally they've been quiet they've been quiet and suddenly it's at their door so they need to speak up mm. very interesting points there uh, Foss, what do you make of that 
Well, thank you very much, Evans. And um, I, I really, I really do concur with some of the points she's raised. And unfortunately, I just think that Ghana's got to a stage where, even though we've always known about the force that the middle class weigh or they carry, and they carry, they will a big force in Ghana because whatever they do is what we call the trickle down economy. Whatever they do affects what goes even lower and upper classes as well. But unfortunately, the government or institutions have been taken for granted in that matter. And um, she spoke about um, uh, consultation and, and think tanks. This is something that is very, very effective. And I can speak on my experiences in the UK, where think tanks are always at the forefront of policies and government engagement. And yes, not all the time listened to, but most of the times they're part of policy making and the part of de- decision making processes from government. The bit that beats me a little, that beats me when it comes to this particular topic that we're talking about, this situation that we're talking about, is how long did the government consult the people on the ground before they make these decisions? Two, and what well, well, and who were those 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 think tanks that they consulted? Because in the UK, for example, when they're doing things like that, it's put in the public domain so everybody knows about it. So people can actually be part of the process. Yes, the people leading this, this these are, uh, uh, what do you call, they, they're well known in society. And But did they even know about it before it got to this stage? That's the question I, that, that's the question that beats me. I just think that, yes, we have a very big force in, 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 uh, in middle class uh, sectors in Ghana. However, for them to be very, very effective moving forward, for them to be able to hold government to account at all times, not sometimes, because the middle class encompasses a very big labor force, whatever you call it, businesses, they're all classified as middle class, but they have respective heads in the UK where they can all sit together and speak regardless of partisan politics um, positions and and all be listened to at at the same time. If we don't get that in Ghana, what you're seeing now will be a one-day wonder. And that's that's a very important point. Kilsing, do you harbor that fear that what we are seeing, the power that the middle class is now deploring may become uh, a flash in the pan? Hello, Kilsing, please unmute. Hello? Okay, uh, let's hope that uh, Kilsing can hear and maybe he has a connection problem. Hello, Kilsing? Okay, let me bring in Carla. Carla, Carla pick up on that thought for me from uh, yeah. from, from Force. And, and of course, you can pick up on something else that uh, uh, yeah. Felicity said, <laughs> okay. if you may. You can go anywhere you want. I mean, Carla, with this. Yeah, so, um, so, so no, so I, where I totally agree with Force is about the fact that <laughs> Otherwise, this will be in a flash in the a flash in the pan. And in fact, I, honestly, I think it will be, because I I have to say that I even know of bondholders who were re- reluctant to sign up with the the communal kind of action. Um, and you know, as you can see, I mean, I'm fairly vocal. <laughs> I'm willing to come on this on this radio program and and talk about what I think. But a lot of people are not. You know, I would say most people are not, and that's no judgment. You know, everybody's different, but I do think that more Ghanaians, it's, it's also partly a cultural thing, but more Ghanaians have to realize that you cannot sit back passively and hide behind other people all the time. And it, it's so important. Yes, I think the middle class has 
power when they mobilize. But, you know, people are very often afraid to speak up for fear of losing what they do have, right? And I think in this instance, people have realized that if they don't speak up, they'll lose what they have anyway. But I think that this is this applies all the time and not just to when your money is going to be directly affected. So please, middle class, be more willing to mobilize, to act. And it's not about politics per se. Have a, have a political conscience, but it's not about the NDC or the MPP, but it's about being willing to stand up and be counted. And that's why, you know, I really take my hat off to the people willing to put their head above the parapet because, you know, it's scary for a lot of people, you know, so for the leaders of this movement, it's really admirable because a lot of people would never but but you said something I want to I want to hey, integrate a bit more. The some okay. bondholders who would not still sign yes. on to the uh, individual bondholders forum, although their funds, yes. their very livelihoods, will yes. be wiped out, and they still don't want to fight. They still don't want to fight. They want to jo- but, 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 but why? But why? 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 And and this is a, if you, that person maybe. <laughs> but but, but, but God, why? Why, why is that? You see, I can't answer for them, but I think it's a couple of things. Firstly, relying on other people to fight on your behalf. I don't know, maybe thinking that they can pull some individual strings behind the scenes. I don't know, but that's why I'm saying that it's important to have, to take communal responsibility and to be willing to risk a little bit, you know, for the good of everybody else, including yourself. I really think a lot of the reason why a lot of the middle class have rallied is purely because it's affecting their pocket. I'm not sure it will apply in in many other situations. There will always be the people who are going to go into politics, who are going to lead. There will always be those people. But I think that the vast majority, I I think it's a flash in the pan. This is what I think. Felicity, yes, yes, first go on, first go on. As if I may, because yes, I really, really, really agree with what Carl is saying to an extent. Because I ask these questions all the time. I've been to Ghana and I've seen loads of horrible things happening in Ghana. I've seen loads of injustices happening in Ghana. And I ask this question all the time. How many times have we gone and done documentaries? And when I say we, I'm talking about the media. Gone and done documentaries, looking at Kolibu, teaching hospitals, and people go, oh, well, I'm not sick at the moment, so it doesn't affect me. Wait till you get there before you act. It'll be too late. And I remember, Evans, if I remember on this program, I said this, if we do not create the attitude of getting a think tank that actually thinks about the welfare of the nation. Forget about eight years, four years of a political party. The long term, looking at things that that will really help the people, the average Joe in Ghana, we are not doing anything about that. Because we're not anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Carla? In the UK, we have people who sit down and plan 100 years. And they're not going to be around in 100 years. But think about the goodness of the people they're leaving behind. And in Ghana, well, just like Carla said earlier, people will not sign to it because they're worrying about, oh, what's going to... Oh, what if this person finds out that I've actually done this? Oh, what are they going to say about me? Are they going to have a meal with me? We can't put those little petty, and I call it petty, we can't put those little petty, selfish... Let me keep quiet, Evans. Thank you. <laughs> Felicity, yeah, 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 but you, you, do you yeah, identify yeah, with hello? any of the things that you've heard from Carla when you were leading with your other colleagues, uh, Fix the Country? People yeah. just didn't want to join. It was a struggle to get people to say, yeah, I think I want to lend my, my shoulder to the wheel. 
Yeah, and you, that year, the middle class actually they are probably the they're probably the ones who are mostly I find mostly. Um, sorry. Yes, Felicity. Protest movements. They they are they seem to be the people who are who don't want to be engaged with things, and suddenly it's an issue that affects them. But the reality is that you know. It will, it will reach everybody. That's the reality. Like the incompetence, the bad governance, like we are all going to suffer the consequences. Don't wait and it's like, okay, today, oh, someone's cousin has gone to die in Kolebuka. There was no bed. Oh, it's not my cousin. And you wait to the day. You're going to wait to the day when it's you. You're, you're going to end up being that dead person. Don't wait till then. We shouldn't wait to be outraged about things only when it affects us. We need to learn as people to be less selfish less selfish less cowardly because a lot of the time we try to maintain sometimes it's about oh okay if i keep quiet hopefully because sometimes people who are in the middle class who are waiting for certain um, positions so waiting for certain appointments certain um, contracts so they feel like if they speak up now they're going to end up losing those things but the reality is that your your life is being eroded your lifestyle and your quality of life is being eroded on a daily basis and even if it isn't a lot of people's lives are being eroded their, their quality of life is being eroded on a daily basis and you have a duty like i feel like when we say love your neighbor as yourself that's ex this is what we're talking about this is literally the most important part of it it's not just waiting until an issue affects you and then you speak up because the reality is that before it got here there's been so we saw the signs like we didn't just get here you know, when it came, when it comes to bad economic management, we've been seeing it. It's been affecting different people. The way he even they did the cleanup of the banking sector, all of these things. But somehow, the middle class, a lot of them, want to be silent and actually they actually sit back and judge people who speak up. Oh, you people are unemployed. You don't have anything to do. That's the reason why you're making noise. So now that is is gotten to your turn. Oh, you guys are suddenly you're you're, you're not unemployed. You know, so for me, I'm, particularly on this issue, I've been quite silent on it because I feel like the middle class have been quiet for way too long. I'm not even talking about the conveners. I'm talking about the average Ghanaian person who constantly feels like they need to they need to outsource their outrage, outsource their activism, outsource their voice to other people. We need to all stand up and be counted. The reason why we're taken for granted is because too many of us are too silent for too long. I like that phrase outsource your anger outsource your voice act outsource your activism and I, I, I need to put that on uh, on on, on uh, frame it uh, but Kilsing, Kilsing, do you agree that Ghanaians typically even when they have the means tend to outsource their activism to others yeah good evening Evans. Uh, this is what i believe about this entire debate about uh, middle class and involvement in a national development discourse I would say that right from 2008, we have seen serious participation and activities from or by the middle class in our democratic enterprise. Talk about the fact that if you look at a floating voting category, a lot of them involved in that bracket are middle class people. And the facts and figures will tell you that NDC or MPP never win election on their own accord, except for the appeal they get from certain class of people from the society. And so I'll say that gradually we've had, you know, a, a system of active participation from those class of people from um, 2008 to this current dispensation. From the same 2008 to date, you realize that CSOs have been actively involved in the way we do our things, that their voices are now up. I would say that a lot of public narratives or opinions are eventually shaped by the activities of um, civil society organizations. In the past, it didn't used to be so. 
today they are more like a trusted voice in the way we do our things and that to me has been a plus the reason why we have not seen pure direct civil activism from middle for the middle class as we are seeing now in relation to this bond issue is however the fact that they are directly affected that is why ordinarily they will come up and speak because government literally has dipped its hands into their pockets that is why definitely they have every right to come and back and show concern about how the economy is managed and all. If you look at the way our social structure is, is, is take a look at pro-poor policies and how they are handled in the country. For example, school feeding program. It is very, very terrible and woefully run in this country. You, you Joe, and you and the other media colleagues have run documentaries on how effective these um, social interventions have been. You look at the quality of delicacies that are served, and it's seriously a cause to worry. Why haven't we had, or how haven't we had serious mass discourse or consensus about how we can deal with that? Simply because the children of um, those belonging to this bracket attend international schools. They, 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 they are having fanciful education in um, some of these best schools in the capital and etc. There is absolutely no reason to talk about the quality of food affecting millions of basic school students or public school students in Ghana. We have not heard so much of public concern about that. The reason why sometimes we hear, um, um, uh, I mean, we hear a lot of issues concerning the food fed to secondary school students is because eventually most of your children are in Wesley Girls in Fansipen and all of the schools. And so it directly affects them. That is why when the head of teach, I mean, heads of teachers were complaining about the unavailability of food and other, you know, structures in the various secondary schools during the harsh economic period, we had a lot of parents come out. It was because they were directly affected. So the issue is that it is only when they bear the harsh brunt of an economic policy that they come to speak. Must stop. If we want to build a collective consensus system, then that's good. But it would appear that it is only when a policy doesn't favor those in the, I mean, social bracket or social category that they come and speak. And so if we really want to define the politics of middle class um, and, and political activism in Ghana, then we must look at things from a broader perspective. How the middle class can be a legitimate voice for the poor, for those in the, um, um, those above the category of the poor, the middle class themselves, and eventually the rich, because the rich also suffer. I mean, such economic policy of bond, uh, debt restructuring, whatever, would definitely affect them. In this country, when the Honorable King of Japan mentioned that he lost, he lost uh, an enormous sum of 12 million US dollars as a result of the, the, the economic downturn. In fact, he was he's a rich person. He doesn't belong to the middle class. Neither does he belong to my class. But he complained. It's because it affected him. So if we can look at the middle class becoming that legitimate voice for all manner of social issues, speaking for the poor, speaking for themselves, and eventually speaking for the top 1%, they will be able to have the society that we want to see. Other than that, it would be a very boring affair where these same middle class people would find some sort of political attachment. I mean, political brand themselves with some political identity going for it where it would appear that a section of middle class belonging to a certain political party speak against certain government policies because, because it affects, I mean, 
that particular government and enhances the political yeah, I mean, so, of their government. So, so I, I, I get that. <laughs> yeah, yes, for us. Yes, for it, it was, and that's, that's the point I was making earlier on that. It's important that we got a, a think tank that is non-political, all encompasses all. We have Kaya Association lead part of it. We have um, Carpenters Association lead part of it. If they will have a form of communication that actually helps. For example, in the UK, when you're going to build, when you go to build a house, you have to be part of you're part of the building association. There are labor rules that you have to go by. And then those people work with the fire service because the fire service have to. Yes, we have problems. But at least when the, they, we know where the back stops. And it's very, very important for the middle class to be taken seriously. It should stop being a one-day wonder when it all hits them because we are all Ghanaians. And if we do not act like Ghanaians, looking for the common good for the average Ghanaian. And I don't say the rich Ghanaian. I don't say the poor Ghanaian. The average Ghanaian. We are all Ghanaians. If we don't look for the common good for the Ghanaian, we've lost. Okay, so... Let, and let, it will be, it as Carla is saying, it will be a one-day wonder because once their pocket stops being hit, they go back and hibernate. Okay, so let, let's... Well, let, 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 yes, yes, uh, Hello. Yeah, yeah, so there, there's one important point I also wanted to raise. You know... With the kind of economic growth we've had over the past 30 years in our republic, you realize that a lot of people have moved from the lower class to the middle class because of education, because of the expansion of the economy, because of a lot of factors, numerous factors. And so it is very possible that one in one every, uh, I mean, in one Ghanaian home or in every Ghanaian home that you count, you definitely have somebody who has risen to the status of middle class and probably extends benevolence to members of the family. So in effect, every family or relatively, every family or group of people has somebody who has reached that status and is able to help empower others economically. I mean, others who fall below them. And so with such a policy, you realize that if one is affected, it affects all. However, 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 there's this one important point I want to make. If the middle class is able to build a legitimate voice for itself, it would be able to gain that public currency that it is seeking. Probably even more vociferous and active and more, I mean, and stronger even than the TUC. Because they would come from an independent point of view, definitely without any form of um, um, political coercion or whatever. And then you also realize one thing, that the new media, particularly the social media, has also been an important um, juggernaut in the fight against ineffective government policies. Today, when something comes up and, I mean, people are not so uh, 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 positive about it, you go to Twitter and it's on the number one trend, you go to Facebook and it's popular, people are giving dispassionate analysis about such issues and pouring out, you know, their outburst, regardless of the kind of political association they have. And that is not only pertaining to um, um, the fight of the middle class. But generally, I'll say that there's been a certain sense of political awakening and consciousness in the way we run our democracy today. I mean, the ordinary university student on Twitter who always lashes our government hasn't gotten to the status of the middle class, but does that dispassionately on the grounds of how they feel the government of the day should conduct itself. Yeah, and, and I, I want to ask this. It may be controversial, but I have to ask this. And okay. Carl, I'll start with you. Um, so the, I guess the consensus around the table that they, the middle class must do more and must do more beyond uh, issues when the issues directly affect them. But 
So middle class must must lead a mobilization and they must be cons- consistent and and sustained. However, so there's a separation we've created now between middle class and a lower class. The suggestion I'm hearing from all of you is that a middle class must must lead, must mobilize and represent the interests of the lower class who can speak for themselves. But the question is, is the is the lower class ready to be mobilized? Are they ready to be led by the by by the middle class? What's your what's your take on that question? Because I get a sense that sometimes the middle class try, but then they get bashed by the same lower class that they're trying to represent. And then some of them, because of that, having been bent in the process, just abandon it and move on. If I'm trying to represent you and you turn out to attack me, then the master sort of will leave you to die. Um. So... Let, let me hear from Carla first, and I'll, I'll pick I'll pick your thoughts, uh, Felicity. So Evans, I mean, I I started this off by saying that I'm not sure it's 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 a middle class thing. I think it's more about a collective action thing, and I'm always uncomfortable in creating this big divide between the middle class and the lower class. I mean, it, it it's about Ghanaians as a group, and you know you're assuming that you know people in the lower class will want to be led by anybody other than themselves, and I actually think the the vast the, People who have less to lose are often more willing to mobilize, right? So the point that I keep making is that I think that the quote-unquote middle class doesn't want to say anything because they're afraid to lose what they have. And so actually, you know, I find that, you know, people who are vocal or slightly controversial or, you know, even political, it is actually most of the censure comes from other middle-class people not from, you know, I don't know who you're referring to as lower class people. So I think that it's about protecting what you have. And there, I mean, there are no doubt there are good reasons for it, but I think that people have to be more willing to speak up. And you know what? Once people become known for speaking up anyway, there's less censure, right? <laughs> they're more likely to try and oppress people who they're not used to hearing from. And then one day you raise your voice and everybody's like, no, you know, shut up. So I just think that people have to be more bold and they have to be more collectively responsible. This is what I think. Felicity? Hello, Felicity. Hi. hi yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, I, I don't think that, I think that the middle class tend to not move, move into action because a lot of them are cowards. And like Carla said, they're protecting their own selfish interests, whatever those that may be. I don't actually believe that they tend to get bitten by the so-called lower classes because the reality is that we actually have more in common. The middle class has more in common with the lower classes than the, you know, the political class, the upper class. So, and I think they, the people of that who don't have the voice, who are not as literate, who don't have access to media, they appreciate those efforts. But the reality is that you don't speak over them. You must listen to them and also amplify. So you use your our as middle class people, you should actually use your position to also amplify their voices, not speak over them, not always speak for yeah. them. Let them speak for themselves because they also have a lot to say. And you do not, li- you do not really under- truly appreciate their lived experiences. So it's not just when you're, even if you're an activist, it's not just about you always speaking for them. It's also passing the mic. You know, saying let's say if you want, oh no, let's actually let let's listen to them because sometimes there's so much insight that they can provide to the conversation that we don't get if we're always speaking over them. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't be patronizing of people because they have less than you. So let me ask then as we wrap up then. So all of you agree that having the middle class 
a bit more in the public conversations and, and in the activism space. It's good for everybody. It's good for society. So how do we get that happening in a more sustainable manner? Kilsey, how, yeah. how, how, how do we capitalize on this mobilization around the domestic detention program for a more sustained engagement on other issues beyond the domestic detention program? All right, so Evans, the, the blunt truth is that those who are the conveners of this particular um, you know, controversy are already known public voices. The likes of Senior Hosi and Senior Matthew Baby. I mean, they have been spearheading public advocacy since time immemorial. And so that is nothing new. But then, what we have to do is to look at how we can um, um, grant our CSOs more audience on controversial public issues or issues that really have direct impact on the citizenry. And so, if I say more audience, you know, now a lot of the C, a lot of the political parties are beginning to see um, the advantage of CSOs and aligning with them so they can do the agenda. And so, eventually, you have a CSO largely or widely backing at government while in opposition. And then the government comes into power. And you, I mean, it's like their voices are missing. We've seen that before. We've seen that in Occupy Ghana. We've seen it in um, other civil society organizations. And so you really cannot tell how genuine they are. But I feel that the media is able to see through genuineness and, I mean, fakery. And so, I mean, that's the best thing. Already, Martin Pebu have, have, has been doing his best. He has been spearheading, I mean, fundamental human rights of people. Senior Bosi has been talking ever since. I remember his infamous speech he made in the University of Ghana when he said that the university was producing doubt graduates and all. I mean, we all loved it, despite um, how blunt it was. And so the best way to sustain this is for the media to involve them in in, in, in public conversations. Okay. Uh, Kielsen, because of time, I just want to get a thought of others quickly before I wrap up on the same question. First, how do you sustain this? Is just by basically lifting what they've done now and keep going at it. And I always say that it falls back to the media. And Evans, you and I know that. I always have a job to do. The media's role is to educate first, entertain and inform. So it is part of it. And if the media can actually educate all classes, all Ghanaians, about the realities on the ground and get government involvement and give them and give government a platform to actually say what they are planning to do and the reasons behind it and then we can actually move forward and the middle class will be part of it and we all gone in so we need to look out for each other not wait till when only it affects us felicity how do you sustain this? Yeah, um, I just think that the most sustainable way if is for us as Ghanaians to recognize the fact that our silence will not protect us. We all have a responsibility to ourselves, to each other, to, you know, stand up and be counted. And we cannot wait. Always, we, can, we, we can't leave these um, these things to people like Martin, to people like Senor. We cannot leave it to people who um, even do protest movements. We can't leave it to them. All of us, every voice is important. Even you talking to your house girl, your the mason in your house, someone in your office about what's going on. And all of us have a responsibility. So we should never think we should wait for the leading voice Voices, we all our voices matter, and all of us must add our voices. Carla? Yeah, so like I've been saying, and you know, one thing I totally agree with Foss about is the difference in, you know, kind of even civil mobilization 
in, in a place like the UK. So, you know, something that we talk about very often is the, the lack of greenery in our urban area, like in Accra, they cut down trees and it's, you know, sometimes if you're hungry, right, you don't have time to think about that or think about, you know, long-term consequences of certain things. In a place like the UK, they were organizing their neighborhoods and ensure that the trees along the avenue are protected. Middle-class people here, some, I know some people who are, but the vast majority won't. And this is the kind of thing, you don't have to be a politician, but get involved to protect the things that your particular group can protect. That's what I would say. Thank you. Let's hear what you're saying on social media. Yeah, so from Tema Guy Fossex, uh, indeed the Ghanaian middle class is the most hypocritical group in the country. We all know that if for anything is the middle class, that should best appreciate the need for constitutional reform in this country. But how many of our middle class have stood behind the demand for constitutional reform in this country? But they quickly arose when their pockets were touched. Uh, this one from Ernest in Abekan says, this, uh, the bills are automated and without any intervention will hit your account first at the set date. There's no fund involved here. It was reversed because BOG is not ready to pay. I think this is about the top story. Yes, yes, uh, yes. and to go on, the middle class, uh, this middle class action is temporary. After all, this debt brouhaha, they will go quiet again. They have left the decision to the lower class and the super class for far too long. Where has this taken us? Let me tell you, nowhere. All we have is a two-party state on a spin. This is from Abekan's connecting uh, from Abokobi. And then gifting, Teshi says, maybe we should take what belongs to them only. Then will we see some action from the middle class? How do we maintain the momentum right now? I don't know. Gifty, I wish that you've given us something to, mm -hmm. to know. Finally, or just a few ones. So good evening, Evans. My name is Adams from Dungwa. Uh, said this middle class people should be uh, should sustain to check any political party who comes to power. They should start educating the citizens on how to hold politicians accountable. Exactly what you've been discussing with your panelists. Um, this one goes to the, the prof speaking on the show is really revealing, educating and speaking good wisdom on your chosen topic. Prof is not only speaking academic knowledge but divine wisdom. I only hope that you also told us whether you are part of the middle class or not. But that's Henry connecting from Castle Ivans. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to my connectors, Carla, um, to Felicity, to Force, and to Kilsing, uh, who join us, and many of you who join us on social media, and to Martin Pibu as well. Um, keep the fire burning on the issues. Keep the conversations happening on our many social media platforms. Enjoy the rest of your evening.